Chapter 35 They played on for some time and with such focus. Silverbell gave her notes and Cove gave his all, and to finish it off, Silverbell demonstrated how to create a beautiful round red apple. I can also make a key. Silverbell handed off the apple to Cove, who immediately began to scrutinize its every inch with a gaze of wonder. But that's not really useful to anyone, she added, not knowing where such a key would lead anyway. Do you think I could make an apple someday? He looked to her hopefully. It seemed easier for him to speak now, easier for him to think, though there was still an unfocused look in his eye, something still missing in his heart. Who knows? Maybe tomorrow. Her encouragement was quickly followed by a strong yawn, and as the day turned to night and night wore on, Silverbell Smith and Harry Horton Cove fell asleep, slumping over on their respective sofas, exhausted by the wonder and work of making music. Silverbell dreamed, as she often did, as she always did, in music. It all started simply enough, the distant humming and the always present pulsing noise. She heard it across from her as Cove slept. She heard it down the road as the city of Coda slept. And she heard it far and wide as the world slept. But then something changed. A new instrument joined the song. It was lovely. It was light. It was like a bird taking flight. It was the sound of the flute. In the darkness of her dream, it was not a surprising sound to Silverbell. It was familiar. It was comforting. It was the sound of a friend. Yet as it got louder and louder and louder and louder, Silverbell felt the dream slipping away and her mind beginning to wake to reality. And then Silverbell's eyes shot open. Louis! She gasped as she sat up. Memories of her dear friend suddenly filled the fog of her mind. She remembered his smile and his laugh, and the way his big brown eyes sparkled and watered and showed every single emotion right on his face. She remembered reading sheet music with him on the windowsill in the early dawn, and she remembered crying herself to sleep beside him in the deep night. But most of all, Silverbell Smith remembered the moment that Louis Barembe had wandered out of the shadows and changed her life, and she had the strangest feeling. He was there to do it again. From around the corner, Silverbell saw a flash of blue light, and looking over to Cove, sleeping through it all, still cradling her violin, she rose quietly to investigate. She edged into the foyer just at the bottom of the stairs, and gasped when there at the top of the stairs stood a figure, still out of focus in the darkness and the dusk. A monster? A man? A man who had turned into a monster? No. It was Louis Barimbe and his flute. Instantly, she ran up to him, summoning two steps at a time and throwing her arms around his shoulders, squeezing him as tightly as she could. She had no words to say, no way to express just how happy she could be. After all the confusion and chaos and conviction, Silverbell had never dreamed she would be this happy again. For how was one supposed to dream about all that they had forgotten? Oh, good, you remember me. Louis returned Silverbell's hug with the same vigor, but his unique sort of charm, perfectly innocent and wonderfully right. I didn't. Tears were hanging off her eyelashes, but she was smiling brightly as Silverbell tightened her grip upon him, for she never wanted to let Louis Barembe go. Not until just now, and then it all came back. You came back. Not just me, he whispered into her ear. 
Silverbell furrowed her brow in confusion, but Louis's meaning became clear all too soon, as from the door at the end of the hall, they all emerged. First came Tico Taki, smiling brilliantly, his eyes shining brightly behind his glasses. And at his side, Poema Lyrica, perfectly poised, smiling sweetly. Tico? Silverbell said in shock. Poem? They ran down the narrow hall towards her, and Silverbell released her hug from Louis only long enough to greet her returned friends with hugs of their own. I never thought you'd speak to me again. Yeah, well, somebody offered us an apology. Tico beamed. Well, quite a few somebodies. And looking over his shoulder to the door at the end of the hall, Silverbell was greeted by quite a few somebodies indeed. Gibby and his accordion, Meredith with her sousaphone, and Gustav came rolling through with his barrel organ. Music maker after music maker came shuffling out of the room, instruments in hand, filling up the cramped little hallway quite quickly. And with them came all the memories, all the answers, and all the heartbreak of the pit. What are you all doing here? Silverbell scanned their guilt-ridden stares and the remorseful stances with amazement. I thought you were all too scared. We were. But we love you more than we fear the world. From the back, they pushed their way forward, each of them carrying an instrument. Her mother with her cello, and her father hauling his bass, and each of them with regret upon their shoulders. Mom? Silverbell whispered. Dad? She couldn't bring herself to run to them the way she had to Louis and Tico and Poem. She couldn't bring herself to feel a wave of happiness. Skeptically, she stared at them and also stared at their instruments. You came to find me, Silverbell said, her voice still wary, her heart still guarded. We should have come sooner, Wolfie told her. Yes, Silverbell agreed. Louis was going to leave whether we came with him or not. Wolfie nodded to the small boy standing beside Silverbell. I guess they kind of realized that if I'm the bravest person in the room, something's very wrong, Louis said with a half laugh and a self-deprecating smile. No, Louis Barimbe, something is very right. Silverbell stared into his dark eyes with deepest sincerity, hating that she forgot someone so important, even for a few hours. You made all this happen. You made all this happen, Silverbell Smith, Louis Barimbe said in return. I just follow where you lead. Silverbell stood there, awestruck, in the hall too full of music makers and emotions. The faces staring back at her were embarrassed. They were guilt-ridden. They were hopeful. We don't want to leave anyone else behind, Silverbell. Her mother promised. Hello. Came a voice from the bottom of the stairs. Oh, is that the lost music maker? Her mother asked, looking over Silverbell's head. And all eyes turned to Harry Horton Cove. He was standing at the bottom of the stairs. Just a silhouette, really. Lost in the darkness. Lost in his own mind. And in his hand, he was holding Silverbell's violin. That's Harry Horton Cove, Silverbell explained plainly. A wave of tension tremored through the close clutch of music makers, and for a moment, they were all statues in their way. Harry looking at them, them looking at Harry. No one moving. The man who chased you across the world? Asked her mother. Yes, but... Silverbell started. The man who kidnapped Louis? Asked her father. Yes, he did that, but... Silverbell tried to stop the chaos that had already begun. The son of Belden Broderick Cove, leader of the Silencers and now governing governor? Asked Gibby. Yes, 
technically, but he's not. She desperately tried to intervene, but the shouting grew louder and the anger grew hotter, and suddenly Silverbell Smith saw Harry Horton Cove's dim face, pale and frightened, as he slowly backed away from the screaming and shouting. And then he ran. Like a frightened rabbit, as fast as he could, Harry Horton Cove shot out the door, Silverbell's violin still clutched in his hands, and the music makers ran after him. Get him! Just who it was, she did not know. But with two words, the cavalcade of music makers set off on a warpath, pushing Silverbell and her friends over on the stairs, just so they might get paths to avenge her. Wait, everyone, I need to explain something first. Silverbell struggled to regain her bearings as they streamed from the stairs and out into the statue garden, all chanting and charging with vicious vigor. He must be stopped. He, he must, must be stopped. stopped. He, he must, must be stopped. stopped. He, he must, must be stopped. Silverbell heard them rioting ahead of her, and as they did, she felt her heart sink and her stomach churn. Looking from the angry crowd and over her shoulder, she saw them as hounds chasing after a rabbit, almost barking at him in the way that dogs might do. He, he must be stopped. He must be stopped. He must be stopped. No, no. We have to stop them. Finally, Silverbell found her feet again and ran quickly for the threshold of the door. But Silverbell, don't we want Cove to be stopped? Louis grabbed hold of her arm just before she stepped out into the chilled night after the stream of music makers, still charging ahead through rows of statues. Silverbell dared to pause for just a moment, for she knew how this must look. She knew how this must make no sense, but she knew what had to be done. Louis, can you trust me? Silverbell begged of him and there was not a single pause before he answered. Always. Then please help me. With trepidation but trust, he nodded. And with that, Silverbell took off into the night after the mob, and Louis Berimbe took off behind her, for he followed where she led. <laughs>